This program was produced by and first broadcast on Radio Hawke's Bay, a community access media station. Thank you to New Zealand On Air for making this type of programming possible. You're listening to Factory Christian Fellowship. Total commitment to Christ. Thank you for tuning in. Welcome to this Christmas message from Pastor Nigel. Worship begins with stars go dim singing authority in the name of Jesus. Micah Tyler, Walking Free, Michael W. Smith with Waymaker, and closing today's worship, Passion with In Christ Alone. was guilty case closed the end no chance for me to ever leave this prison of my sin now i know it might sound crazy but one day a key unlocked that cell i heard a small voice say your debt's been paid by somebody else and now i'm walking 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 free no more Mercy. 
ain't nothing perfect I still stumble every single day I still get knocked down But the difference now Is that's not where I stay Cause I got a savior Who knows everywhere
you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. You never stop. You never stop working. Even when I can't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. You never stop. You never stop working.
It is by God's Spirit that you are changed. A humble heart, ready to receive, is teachable. Are you ready to receive today's Christmas story? Pastor Nigel Woodley, PhD, with today's Christmas message. And it doesn't matter that the culture or the age may change, the world that we live in changes, but if we keep preaching the word, which is always the same, it has the power to change people and to change lives. And uh, so that's the, really, that's the main purpose of this church, is to provide a platform whereby the word of God can be given and spoken and declared and preached and taught. Because we know it's not by might nor by power, it's by God's spirit. You can't change yourself. I know through 32 years of Christian experience that I can't change myself. But the Holy Spirit and the Word of God can do a work in me that I could never accomplish on my own. And it's the same with you. And so it's important when we come to the Word of God that we open our hearts to receive it because it's all about the ground on which the seed of God's Word is going to land on right now. If my heart is humble and soft and I'm open-hearted, then I can receive the Word that God wants to implant in me. That's why the Bible says that, uh, that he implants his word upon the humble. And God wants that word to be implanted in you through humility. The Bible says the humble he teaches his way. So, you know, things that can stop us receiving any benefit from the word of God that is preached are things like uh, unbelief. They can be just pride. And the pride can go into the form, well, you can't teach me anything. I already know all I need to know. So God can speak to you, but your heart must be soft and willing and humble and ready to receive what God has to you. That's when God's word has an effect, when it is humbly received in the heart. Humbly. So we prepare our hearts and we receive whatever he has for us. So we have to always teach the word of God and we teach our kids and we teach each other the right things because if we're not taught the right way, we'll find our own way to do it and often our own way is the wrong way. So we have to always be humble and teachable and ready to learn. A soft heart, a humble heart. Just a very short lesson today. And I wanted, I've got three things that the Christmas story teach us. Simple things. Simple things. Uh, and number one is, don't despise the small things. Don't despise the small things. The reason I say that, we get the prophecy from Micah chapter 5 verse 2, Rachel. In Micah chapter 5 verse 2, this is the prophet Micah. Micah of Morasheth. He would have been around probably six or 700 years before Christ was even born, but he prophesied the birth of Jesus. And he prophesied the place where Jesus would be born. But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. And of course, we know that Jesus did come. And when the wise men went to Jerusalem and said, where's the king of the Jews? They said, well, he was never to be born here. He was to be born in Bethlehem of Judea. How did they know that? Because of this prophecy from Micah chapter 5, verse 2. There were nine Bethlehems in Israel, but this one is only one, Bethlehem Ephrathah. The first lesson on Christmas is don't despise the small things because Bethlehem was such a small town in Israel. Look at what the prophet said in Zechariah chapter 4. Who despises the day of small things? Men will rejoice when they see the plumb line in the hand of the riverbank. Because already the foundation of the temple had been laid in Jerusalem after the Jews came back from their Babylonian captivity. And the foundation of the temple had been laid. And for years it had laid, probably I think for as many as 12, maybe even 14 years, the foundation in Jerusalem had been laid, but nothing had been built upon it. Because they got discouraged. 
They built the foundation, and then they got discouraged because there was lots of enemies trying to dissuade the Jews from building the temple in Jerusalem. And the prophet came along to encourage the people of Israel, who despises the day of small things? And he was talking about Zerubbabel, the governor, the Jewish governor over the Jewish people who come back. When he holds the plumb line in his hand over that foundation, it means that the rest of the building is going to go up. That's just a small thing. But if you don't have the small thing, you can never have the dedication at the end. So it says, don't despise the day of small things. I think a Flaxmere, a Flaxmere for many is just a small thing. Who are we, the Flaxmere Christian Fellowship? Okay? Churches all around us, much bigger than us. Don't despise the day of small things. Okay? If we hold the plumb line God's put in our hand, that's all we need. We're going to go straight for the die, and we're going to go upright, and we're going to hit the target that God has for us. And the people said, Amen. Amen. The next lesson we can learn, if you can follow this, the mighty mouth that preaches to the millions. The mighty mouth, and there's, there's some great preachers in the world, Benny Hinn and Reinhard Bonnke, and many others, great preachers. Of course, these are the guys who are seen and recognized, don't they? The mighty mouth that preaches to the millions is first fed and empowered to do so by the agricultural worker in the field who may be paid the minimum wage to make sure that preacher eats enough so he can actually be strong enough to deliver his message. Don't despise the day of small things. The conductor who woos his audience at an orchestra is relying on a little finger and a little thumb to hold his conductor's stick that people would not even recognize on the night. Don't despise the day of small things. You know, we should be taught to appreciate the small things, the insignificant things that other people will forget about because they are important. They really, really are important. The gifts, point number two, that Christmas teaches us, the gifts are for the worship of the great king. So I'm talking about your gifts and your talents after the worship of the great king. Let's read the story, Rachel, in Matthew chapter 2. We'll read from verse 1. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi, or wise men, some translations say kings, from the east, came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. And so when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them, from them the exact time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. You see, because by the time they saw the star in the east, probably in Babylon, ancient Babylon, Iraq, it was a three or four month journey on a camel to get from where they were to Jerusalem. And that's if they came straight away. So by the time the wise men had came to Jesus, he was no longer in a manger, uh, nor on the same night that you often see displayed on Christmas cards. And we don't know whether there were three wise men or five or six. We do know there were three gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Okay? We all know what gold is. We all would like some. Uh, frankincense is a, a perfume, and myrrh was a fragrant oil, all expensive items. So Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact, exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and make a careful search for the child. 
And notice he's no longer a baby, he's a child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that, so that I too may go and worship him. What a big fat liar. Danic verse. After they had heard the king, you know why? Because King Herod was threatened. When he heard he was the great King Herod, and he heard that another king had been born, the king of the Jews, of course, that's going to upset his little, his, his little group. And so he's threatened, and he wants to worship, worship this king and then put a knife through his belly. That's what Herod wanted to do. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it appeared over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And on coming to the house, no longer the manger, and they're in Bethlehem, Bethlehem, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their own country by another route. The point is, use your gifts to worship the king. That's the message in the Christmas story here. And I say that because I once had someone many years ago in the church, a young lady who was learning the piano and doing a lot of music and very talented at music. And I gave her that lesson. Not, not the one on the, mud, uh, on the wise man. I said, you want to use what you've got. If you believe you have a talent and gift from God, use it for the glory of God, for the extension of his kingdom. Just speaking to Tumai the other day, riding down on my little scooter that he said, dropping off to work, off to Sam's work, because he works with Sam. Going down there, and I thought, what the heck's that sound behind me? And he'd hear the sound down right up. I said, what are you listening to? I said, come to the stop at the lights. Is that Christian stuff? I said, you better make sure that you've got clean water going in there so that what comes out is clean too. What well, we, what well do you choose to drink from? And that, that's the challenge for us as worshippers and all the musicians who are up here trying to inspire us in worship. Not just for these guys, but for us out there. Do we really want true worship in the church? Do we want the clean water of worship flowing? We'd better make sure that our wells aren't mucked up with a lot of dirty nonsense and rot coming in from the world. Don't muddy up your well. Keep your water clean so that we can worship the Lord. Use your gifts to worship the King. Not just in music, but in any other gift you have. Use your gift to worship the King. And the final point that I want to bring about this Christmas story is this point, and we carry on in our story, be prepared to contend. That's to fight for the kingdom of God. All right? So we go on to read in the story in verse 13 in Matthew chapter 2. When they, the wise men, had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph. Remember Joseph? He's the husband of Mary, but not the father of Jesus. Appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, the angel said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. And we know the rest of the story, don't we? How mean King Herod, well, here it is, he got up and he took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt. Egypt is directly south on the southern border of Israel. Left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of big, bad, mean King Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son, that's Hosea chapter 11, I believe it is, out of Egypt I called my son. But you know, here's the king of the world or the king of the universe, born as the king of the Jews. And uh, it wasn't an easy ride. God could have sent five legions of angels to stand at guard around the house where Joseph and Mary and Jesus were. But he didn't. He just gave precise directions. Pick up the child and his mother now, get out and go to Egypt here at once. Now, God knew he was going to try and kill the son, didn't he? 
but God didn't release that information to Joseph, Mary, or Jesus until that information needed to be released. Imagine living in fear with that information. I mean, Jesus and, the, and, and Joseph and Mary might have had a very good week prior to that happening, but that week could have been ruined if they were living in the fear of what Herod might do. God just releases some information to us and not all of it at the right time. But they had to contend for what the Savior of the world had been born but had not yet fulfilled his purpose and destiny in the world. Jesus had come among us. And now that purpose had to be protected. You have been born for a purpose as well. You have been born with a purpose. You're not here by accident. God knew all about you and he allowed you to he allowed to give birth to you before the creation of the world. He knew all about your bad breath and smelly armpits and everything else. And he decided, well, those things could, can be dealt with. You see, the purpose that God had for Jesus had to be protected and contended for. Uh, Joseph, get up quickly. Take the mother and the child, go to Egypt, that's straight away. You see, in the 1930s, the Jews who were in Europe were getting warnings from different people, and some were prominent Jewish leaders. It's time to get out of Europe and get to Palestine because the Nazis are here. Not too many actually heeded the warning. And just think of it, how many New, Zealand, New Zealanders would heed such a warning because where would we go? We would have to be up, Australia's not going to save you, but imagine being uprooted from your comfort zone. You've got to contend for that purpose God has given to you. It may mean being uprooted from your comfort zone. How much do we actually cherish and do anything to look after our comfort? And we do. In fact, next to food, comfort would be one of the things we would die holding on to. Whatever is most easy and comfortable for us. But that wasn't comfortable when he had to leave his house in Bethlehem and take the mother and the child in the middle of the night and just get out, go down to Egypt quickly, the Lord said. So we have to contend for the things of God's kingdom. You will have to contend for the purpose in your life because from your birth, the devil marked you to do everything he could to stop you reaching your purpose in Almighty God. Because remember, you're not a son of the devil, you're a son of God. You were created in the image of Almighty God. And because the devil hates God, he hates you, the image of God. So you're going to have to contend and fight for what you believe in and, and for the purpose you're here on planet Earth. He'll, get, he'll use everything he can to stop people reaching their purpose in God, whether it's alcohol, marijuana, illicit sex, sports, or whatever. Watch out that you're chasing God and not those things. Those things will come and you will be tempted. And maybe you're hooked. But if you decide that your main purpose in life is to do the will of God, you can come free from those things in Jesus' name. Because you do have a purpose in God just as Jesus had a purpose in God. You will have to contend for your life for that purpose. And the people said, Amen. Amen. Just let me read my last line. It's, it's on being prepared to contend for the kingdom of God and God's purpose for your life. Outwitting, you're going to be cleverer than the devil. Okay? Outwit him. He thinks he's smart, God's smarter than him. God can give you strategies to outwit Satan. Outwitting the schemes of the devil and being prepared to compromise our comfort zone are part of kingdom living. And that's what the Bible teaches us. So there you go, some lessons on the Christmas story today. Don't despise the small things. The gifts you have and the talents you have are for the worship of the great king. And be prepared to contend for the kingdom of God. Amen. Thank you for tuning into this broadcast. That was Pastor Nigel Woodley, PhD, with his Christmas message. Have a Merry Christmas and awesome New Year. Thank you for tuning in.
You're listening to the Flagstaff Christian Fellowship. Total commitment to Christ. This program was produced by and first broadcast on Radio Hawke's Bay, a community access media station. Thank you to New Zealand On Air for making this type of programming possible.